Welcome to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast, the show where brilliant professionals share how to sharpen the universal skills required to flourish at work. Enjoy more career fun, wins, meaning, and money with your host, Pete Mikaitis. Hello, and thanks so much for joining us here for episode 168 with Olivia June Poole. We've talked networking before, but not quite like this with someone who's created an app that helps people make friends in a hurry. So you're going to learn one, the key differences associated with networking between men and women. Two, a critical overlooked consideration when building your network. And three, how to make new connections stronger. So if you'd like to check out the show notes or the transcript or the links to items that we reference here, you'll find that over at awesomeatyourjob.com slash ep168. And while you're over at awesomeatyourjob.com, I recommend you check out our nifty resources. And one of my faves I've been digging ever so much more now that we got over 160 episodes, it's the magnifying glass. Just right there in the search function of the navigation bar, there is a magnifying glass which lets you type whatever you desire to search every transcript of every guest we've had. So if there's an issue you're thinking about, struggling with, dealing with, we may have covered it before. So you can quickly find that and it's really making those transcripts all the more worthwhile here. Now, here's Olivia's story. Olivia June Poole is the CEO and co-founder of Vina, a company that creates tech products to connect, celebrate, and empower women, including the Hey Vina app. She also worked in marketing for General Assembly, Rocket Space, and many others. She's an expert in user acquisition, community building, and driving consumer online-offline engagement. Here's Olivia. Olivia, thanks so much for joining us here on the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast. Thanks for having me, Pete. Now, I understand that early on in your career, you had the role of a horse trainer. What's the backstory here? That's true. I grew up with horses uh, in my backyard and actually decided around when I was 10 or 11 that I would start seeing if I could get some clients to train their horses and take care of their horses. And I did. And I ended up building a, a little team of friends who also worked with me. And we made a small business out of it in, our, in my neighborhood. That's so cool. And then what were you training the horses to do exactly? I mean, mostly just to be well-behaved, like okay. to stand and, you know, so people would ride them and I give horseback riding lessons. And for the most part, it was a great lesson in learning to one, train people and animals, but also in working with something that's a lot more powerful than you are and being careful around that. It's relevant to all of business, I think. Oh, that is well said. Well, I was imagining sort of, you know, 12 years old horses, I mean... Those are large and muscular. <laughs> <laughs> they are. Certainly. Well, okay. So lessons learned and you're applying those here now today with your app and company, Hey Vina. What's the story? Am I saying that right? First of all, am I pronouncing Correct. that correctly? Hey Vina. Yes. Okay, good. Hey Vina, tell us what's the story there? Well, I started Hey Vina just about two years ago. I decided to put up a landing page and see if someone would be interested in this. Um, and mostly it stemmed out of I had been working in tech for a number of years and found myself with an abundance of male contacts. I'd go to networking events and I would leave oftentimes with actually more dates than business deals. And I wanted an opportunity to actually connect with more women in business. And so I started a social hour and we called it Lady Suvino, and we'd invite all the women we knew to a wine bar in San Francisco. 
And it was just taking off like crazy. Every month we'd have, you know, a hundred or plus more women show up to these events. And we lightly said it was networking like friends because at the end of the day, friendship is the foundation of most business relationships. And so I decided to turn it into technology and scale that experience out to women all around the world. Okay. And so with the scale, what does the app do? Is it, and how do I get wine involved or is it wine optional? <laughs> Wine is optional, absolutely. So it's a mobile app. Right now we're available on iPhone and we're available on Android coming this summer. Our Android app is launching in the end of June. And so it will be available on iOS and Android all around the world. And it functions really similarly to a dating app. And so what you do is you sign up, you create a profile about yourself, you see cards like you would in like a Tinder for example, and then you swipe right to say, hey, and you swipe left to skip someone. Um, when both people say hey to one another, we send an instruction to your inbox, highlighting what you have in common and suggesting that you make plans to meet up. Okay, that's great. And so you can just sort of swipe many times in one day and potentially make a whole lot of friends. Yeah. I mean, we've had people on our platform say they sat down for their first experience and suddenly three hours later and a bottle of wine later, they had like a ton of matches and they've gone through like hundreds of profiles and started to actually build their network. Oh, that is so cool. Well, so tell us then maybe zooming out a little bit. So you got a great app, it's getting the job done and, and that's really cool. So could you maybe orient us a bit to your philosophy there in terms of, you know, why is, you know, this network of professionals and community so critical? Well, something that I found in my career is that oftentimes whenever I found a new job opportunity or a great business deal, it was through someone in my network. And we have all heard the old adage of it's not what you know, it's who you know. And, you know, we have Tony Robbins out there whose mantra is your network is your net worth. Mm -hmm. And so we all know that people are, you know, the catalysts in our careers and on mostly in our lives. And so having this tool is so essential. Absolutely. Well, so then I'd love to get your perspective in terms of as you've done, what's so fun to talk about app folks is that, you know, you do so much research in terms of your users and the best practices and the cognitive neuroscience and all that stuff. So I'd love to hear, you know, what are some of the lessons learned and keys that you've figured out when it comes to, you know, what makes for successful network building, community building efforts amongst professionals? Sure. So one of the things I studied, you know, gender studies, my background is in social psychology and I got really interested in gender psychology, especially applied to the workplace, but in all factors of our lives. And one of the things that we had to really research into is, you know, how is it different, if at all, for a woman making business connections or social connections than it would be for a man? And so a lot of times what we really realized. And the background to this is that men tend to build relationships and connections over a shared activity. So you're going to do something and in doing that, you're bonding. And so one of the things for women though, was that women were more about who you are and like, what do you think about things? And then the activity came secondary. And so it was really interesting in designing this platform because ultimately in the tech industry, as we all know, and We've heard in the media that it's very male-dominated, and I'm, I'm pitching to uh, venture capitalists. It turned out that a lot of my fundraising process was very much about 
communicating the differences in gender dynamics when it comes to relationship building and why our product is designed the way that it is and how it ends up influencing people's lives throughout their lifespan. Oh, intriguing. So that's kind of one tip right there in terms of there are gender real influences at work in terms of how one can go about building a strong relationship. So it sounds like you're saying that as a man, if you're looking to grow a network and expand, you might be better served participating in activity. Hey, we're to play basketball or golf or bowling or, or something. Whereas with a woman, you might get more traction if you simply propose wine, coffee, et cetera, to talk about the stuff directly. Mm -hmm, Exactly. It was really interesting. They've also done a lot of studies about, um, you know, men and women's effectiveness in when it comes to networking. And uh, one of the things that was discovered is that oftentimes if you compare a group of men who go to a networking event to a group of women who go to a networking event, a man would walk away with, you know, the business deal, the contact that he was looking for, whatever it was, um, would go out there, find, hunt, and achieve this thing. Mm -hmm. Whereas women would walk away with a lot of beginnings of relationships, a lot of new contacts and people that they would then follow up and nurture for a much longer period of time. And so they weren't necessarily as instantly winning from this event, but they ended up being able to go back to these contacts time and time again throughout many years. And so it was kind of a tortoise and a hare situation here where you'd walk away and you'd have to keep on doing these kinds of activities because you'd find the deal and it'd be done and you're done with that connection now. Whereas women have these longer, you know, more nurtured relationships throughout their careers. Oh, well, that's a warning sign for me then, because I I'm the hair, <laughs> I suppose, <laughs> as a man in this metaphor. So, okay, duly noted to make efforts to extend things beyond the you know victory, you know, check the box, uh, acquired what I needed. Thank you for that. And so, you know, tell us as we're kind of going out and about meeting people, building connections and networks. Are there any particular pointers? that you recommend folks bear in mind about finding the right people to support us in the right ways? Right. So, you know, I think one of the things that we need to be very conscientious of is oftentimes we're driven to um, seek out people who are, you know, just beyond you and to people that you really admire. And that's all well and good. But oftentimes those people are overwhelmed with, you know, lots of people who are looking to get connected to them. And one of the things you can best do is actually, you know, surround yourself with people who have similar levels of ambition as you. Okay. So that way, as you progress throughout your careers together, you are both striving for new things. And so oftentimes those people will actually be the most useful to you in your career than maybe the person that you super admire and try to go after. And they maybe don't have enough time for you. Oh, that's so brilliant. So it's sort of like... The person you're forging relationships with now might be, well, I don't want to use, you know, higher, better kinds of language, but I think you know what I mean in terms of when it comes to career progression and however you care to measure that by impact or income or number of direct reports in the pyramid underneath you, you're saying you'll get more bang for your buck with your relationship building efforts if you look for folks who might be in a similar spot of power, prestige, et cetera, right now, but have a high degree of enthusiasm for going places because you've sort of established it, that relationship before they were, you know, rich, famous, powerful, successful. And in a way that kind of makes the relationship seem all the more authentic. 
Right. It would, I mean, it fundamentally does make it more authentic because it says, you know, I believe that you are talented and that you are going to do great things when we were both just getting started and we were both, you know, at that similar level. And then, you know, as you go on to do and achieve, you know, you have those relationships that you can go back to and will think of each other and help each other even more. Oh, and I've seen that. I've absolutely seen that with folks that I've connected with in high school. Like I'm thinking about my buddy, Muhammad. I was like, you, sir, are going places. You were the one person I know who's jazzed about his career at age 17 as I am. (laughs) So I just enjoyed his energy and we've been great friends and it's been fun to be able to collaborate on cool stuff. You know, now that he's really just rocking and rolling in the Middle East. That's awesome. Yeah. So isn't that so true? Mm Mm-hmm. Well, so I guess I'm curious then in terms that we talked a little bit about mindset and principles at work. Could you speak a little bit in terms of in the heat of things, you know, when folks that you're chatting, you're maybe at a mixer or, or a cocktail party or, or just having a coffee chat with someone or an informational interview, whatever. What are some little things we could do? I don't know, you know, tips and tricks, tactics that can kind of facilitate better connections, empowerment and such. Well, the first piece of advice I always have is look for ways that you can sense that you could help the other person. It breeds a lot of you know positive connection with that person to know that you're not just a taker. You're there to actually be um, helpful for them and it will make them more predisposed to being helpful for you. Certainly. That's good. That's good. And that's one of the favorite questions I've asked and heard it recommended to ask is, how can I be helpful to you? What can I do for you? And and when I'm on the receiving end of that, it's like they've opened up the treasure chest. Like, oh, wow. <laughs> Thank you for asking. I didn't even come prepared to answer that. Yeah, That's so kind of you. Yeah. And that's always, you know, that question, I have mixed feelings about it, mostly right. because sometimes it feels like, you know, like you just said, like someone's just opened up a treasure chest and you weren't prepared necessarily to ask for that thing or you weren't ready to do that. So I kind of prefer the question of, what is the most important thing to you right now? Okay. And so that way I can actually hear, you know, what are they thinking about? Like what's keeping you up at night these days? Because then you can actually secretly get that information of like maybe how you could be helpful, but actually it comes from like a more, I don't know, I guess like maybe a slightly less direct way of being like, what do you need? And mm-hmm. then, you know, sometimes you're like, well, I could really use like a glass of water, like what you might grab <laughs> Or like, hey, will you introduce me to your boss because I'm really interested in this job? So I think it can be, you know, what are you thinking about these days? What are you exploring or what's getting you excited? Oh, that is fantastic. I guess that's very hair-like or man-like of me (laughs) to ask the direct question. But you could often get better results if you ask a broader question. And I love it. So please, if you have any other best practices or suggestions within that realm, what do you have? I always like asking people what they're excited about, to be honest, because it will oftentimes like point you in the direction of something either really interesting going on in their field or their careers. And it's something that you actually might have a great takeaway from as well um, and something that you might not be paying attention to these days. And so then maybe let's talk about the follow-up. I think this is where a lot of community building efforts fall short, you know, it comes of busyness or distraction or or whatever the hangup is. But do you have any sort of perspectives on how to follow up really well? Yeah, follow up is really important. And it's being really um, remembering, trying to remember like a nugget from the conversation you had with that person to refer back to is really terrific. And it's helpful when you're following up to have either 
you know, simply a kind, uh, it was great to meet you. I will always remember that one piece of wisdom you shared or thanks so much for referring me to this thing. So they remember what you talked about and it gives them context again. So oftentimes we were at a networking event, maybe you walk away with 10, you know, business cards at that time. And, you know, it's kind of like drinking from a fire hose. It feels like a lot. And the other thing is, you know, sometimes time has passed. A lot of time has passed since, you know, someone gave you their card and you're thinking, hey, I can I reach out to them because it's been so long. It's kind of awkward. Will they even remember me? Um, at the end of the day, it's always worth it to just put yourself out there because like the worst that they can do is nothing. It's just ignore you. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I've been there with that situation. I was like, ooh, it's going to be awkward. I feel like I should have reached out earlier. Uh, But I think that maybe is also a bit of a prompting to go ahead and do that reach out sooner rather than later. And what you said about that one nugget really sort of simplifies things. It doesn't have to be some grand reach out. It could be LinkedIn note. Hey, it's really fun connecting with you. I checked out that blog, that reference, that whatever. And it's really helpful. And that's it. Mm-hmm. It's great to just keep it human. At the end of the day, professional networking is very similar to making new friends. And, you know, people aren't just their job titles. It's very important to say, even if like, hey, I'll always remember how cute your dog was or something like that. Um, or here's a resource for, you know, would be great to take our dogs for a walk sometime. So find something that's more human and more personal that I think actually makes the connection even stronger. Well, thank you. Okay, well then, let's kick it off. Can you share with us a favorite quote, something you find inspiring? So one of my favorite quotes is, I think I said it earlier, but it's not about what you know, it's about who you know. And at the end of the day, our personal relationships are so important. And so I think that really connects with both our personal lives and our professional lives. Mm -hmm. And how about a favorite study or experiment or a bit of research? A great one that I read recently, I need to probably find a reference for this, but I read a study that said marriages last longer when people have a strong social friend network. All right. Thank you. And how about a favorite book? Uh, My favorite book is The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. Are you familiar with it? I have looked at it before, but it's been a while. What are those four agreements? It's one of the best books out there. It's really will give you a lot of application both in your personal life and your career. But some of the agreements are things like don't ever take anything personally and always do your best and always be true to your word. I'll leave the fourth one for you to go find in the book. But these are actually really uh, applicable to being a really terrific person to work with and having a very fulfilling career. Thank you. Well, and how about a favorite tool, something that you use often to flourish at work? I'm a really big fan of Asana. It keeps me really well-organized and our whole team in great communication. All right. And how about a favorite habit, a personal practice? So I have a new habit where I have created a budget for my time. And basically, I've tracked every basically every half hour segment of my day, um, including free time, time with my friends, time with my family, time where I go to the gym and my commuting, my flexible time and the time where I set down my goals. Everything is actually um, set as a framework for every single week. And this allows me to make sure that I'm staying on track and that it actually has alleviated a lot of guilt I have for working a lot of hours because I know that I've scheduled just enough personal hours as well. So my favorite new habit is my time budget. 
Oh, now this is fascinating. And I've attempted things like this before. So I've got to know, how have you pulled this off? So every half hour, and what's the platform? Is it Excel or what are you tracking it on? I literally just have it on my Google Calendar. And I have sections of my day that are, uh, I think the key to having it successful is sections of your day that are just completely open, that are flexible and making sure you're slating those hours. And so I actually uh, schedule out the number of hours I spend, you know, managing my team to doing outreach for, you know, various objectives to my goal setting time, to my time to respond to emails. I have my shower and get ready time. So making sure I give myself ample time for things rather than, you know, trying to overly crowd my day. You know, I even schedule like myself 30 minutes to wake up from the time my alarm goes off. I know that it realistically, I know that I need those 30 minutes before I can like actually be functional to do anything. Oh, certainly. So it's budgeted in the sense that it's all marked on the calendar, but there are also times marked on the calendar. So it actually would just say nothing or do whatever. Uh, Yeah. I just say open. And then I have like my friends and family time. And I only do this Monday through Friday. I keep my weekends open and flexible. Okay. And is there color coding involved? There is no color coding, but I do keep the hours tracked and like the percentage of my week spent on various items. So tracked, is that also in the calendar? Is that from a different program? That's in a spreadsheet. All right. So you just sort of look back and see, oh, did this, in fact, was it what I said I was going to do? So I track the categories of time where it's basically like head down work time or, you know, time for days that I have set aside where I can, you know, have lunch meetings or it translates to open time if I'm not doing that. So then I just keep um, that framework on my calendar always. And then I use my regular calendar and I overlay it to make sure that I'm not impeding into my other calendar. So I just keep it in the background as a framework for my day where I know that I have this amount of time where I can schedule things. And otherwise I have to like have my heads down, like flow state time. Okay. And so are you pretty compliant then with what you have set forth? I'm pretty compliant. It gets really tough when you're traveling. Yes. But aside from that, if I'm in office, I stick really tightly to this. And what have been the most compelling benefits as a result of having adopted this habit? Honestly, it's the relief of any guilt I have over Ah. time, (laughs) which I tend to have a lot of time-based guilt for myself because I'm an entrepreneur. I work a lot of hours. And if I feel like I'm like stepping on my time with my husband, it feels like I'm being unfair to either him or myself. And so as long as I have those hours slated where like I know that I've slated enough hours of the day towards my work and it also helps me avoid burnout because otherwise I might be at the office for you know 14 hours a day and that's not good. <laughs> Oh, well, thank you for sharing, Olivia. This is probably the most follow-ups I've ever asked a guest about their habit (laughs) because I've tried and failed what you're doing on a couple different mechanisms and it's intriguing. So thank you. Yeah. Keeping it simple, I think is the key. Mm -hmm. Um, And then finding like the right percentage, like number of hours you want to spend per week, like managing people or, you know, tackling your emails or you know, working out and giving those times for like commuting. I think that's the key is just being really realistic and honest with yourself. Yes. And I think I have not done that in some ways. And okay, final follow-up, you know, (laughs) all right. So we had the illustrious David Allen on episode 15, great guy and sort of a 
an inspiration for me in many ways. And so I think I have chronically underestimated what it really takes to just process your incoming stuff in terms of emails and such. So would you feel comfortable sharing with us just how much time does it take to do emails and physical mail and sort of text message, like managing the incoming stuff and just processing, responding to it? Yeah. So I think they're very spot on. Everything does take way longer, generally speaking, than I ever thought it did. And so that's, I think, one of the biggest learnings of my career is like actually being realistic with how long stuff takes. So I slot about an hour a day to emails. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times those emails are often like just forwarding them to other people that are better off you know, taking the lead and responding or CCing someone. So that way I'm not the person that necessarily has to go through them. Um, We keep all of our team communication on Slack. And then during the day, we actually have, we're experimenting with two days a week where we don't Slack, we don't talk to each other or anything until like the afternoon. So that way everyone can have heads down work time that's not interrupted by questions or other things like that. And that was really helpful. As far as the text messages and that kind of like personal mail stuff takes, I tend to like actual like physical mail. I tend to save that for like my home lifetime. So that kind of eats into those hours. And then I slot the other stuff into my like open free time. Okay. Thank you. All right. Well, now can you share, is there a particular nugget or articulation of some of your messages or key beliefs that seem to really resonate with folks, getting them nodding their heads, taking notes, et cetera? So the most important thing is there's a lot of fears that build up in us in our lives as adults and all of the um, impacts we've had from our, our social interactions. But the number one thing you can do for yourself is just to put yourself out there and to force yourself out of that comfort zone, no matter how hard it is, whether it's writing it on your mirror and like looking at it every single day, but pushing yourself out of that comfort zone to meet a new person, to do something you haven't tried before. That's the best thing you can do for yourself. Okay. And Olivia, folks want to learn more or get in touch. Where would you point them? So you can find out more about Vina at H-E-Y-V-I-N-A. That's heyvina.com. And you can find us on Twitter at I like Vina. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Olivia June. That's O-L-I-V-I-A-J-U-N-E. And we're also all over the internet as I like Vina. Okay. And you have a final challenge or call to action you'd issue to folks seeking to be awesome at their jobs? Put yourself out there and meet someone new. All it takes is a hey and a new friend can really change your whole life. All right. Well, Olivia, thanks so much for this and best of luck in growing Vina and and making a bigger impact. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I love that perspective about folks who have similar levels of ambition to you. And I'd also add similar directions of ambition to you, whether it's terms of the career world or your fitness or family or fun, friendships, spirituality, whatever. I'm all about getting together with those folks. And it's cool because over time, people just develop into super ballers and you can be like, oh yeah, I knew them when. And the relationship is all the stronger as a result because you're growing in a similar direction and supporting each other along the way. So a great pointer from Olivia and something I think that's often overlooked when folks are just chasing, you know, whoever's impressive or influencers or whatever. So again, if you'd like to check out the show notes or the transcript or the links to items that we referenced here, 
It's over at awesomeatyourjob.com slash ep168. And I do hope you'll push subscribe so you can hear from our next guest. It's Gail Van Gills. She's talking about the power of love in the workplace. And wow, we went deeper maybe than we've ever gone in terms of just like the human experience and the depths of the soul and that sort of thing. So it has a bit of a different feel than some of the immediate tactical stuff that we've covered here, but I think it's absolutely enriching. So I hope to catch you then and peace. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. To get the most out of this conversation, visit awesomeatyourjob.com to find today's show notes, transcript, and infographic summary cheat sheet. For more entertaining professional skill sharpening, be sure to subscribe to catch the next episode of How to Be Awesome at Your Job.